0: Honey, I'm home. Oh, g'day, love. How was work? I can't believe they made you go in on your birthday. That seems criminal to me. No, it was, it was all right, actually. Um, some of my best work friends, they signed one of those big birthday cards. It's um pretty nice. Oh, that is good. Let me have a look. Oh, are you, are you sure they're your work friends? Yeah, we're great friends. We always have all these, um, like, we're always laughing in the office and having a good time. Are you sure, love? Because Derek's written here, you're a stupid brick You won't stop blasting System of a Down's toxicity in the office, is that um, right? No, it's just a joke. And Greg here, he's uh, called you a dog rat for microwaving fish and egg stew for lunch every um, fucking day and never cleaning the goddamn microwave. Well, that's Gregor. Like you got to know. And Belinda here, she's she's written the amount of times you mention Travis Barker's over-the-top drumming is bordering on inappropriate. Uh, He just overplays all the fucking time. Friends? No, they're friends. I promise. What's going on? What do you have to say for yourself? Oh, I mean. The only thing I, I can say is, I mean, it feels weird that all your friends decided to lie on your birthday card. Yeah. I don't know what's with that either. Yeah. Oh, before I forget, your friend, oh, yeah. uh, Simon and, and his Jason. partner, Jason, Jace, Jace, Jason, 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 I yeah. think. Yeah. Yes, uh, Jason, that, that, that's it. Uh, yeah. Simon and Jason, they want their copy of Jagged Little Pill back. They said oh. you've had it for 20 no. years and you keep saying you've returned it but I but have returned no I um, have I have returned it I've I've given it I've given it back to them they just keep forgetting well, wait what yeah. why would they say that if it's not true then I mean the only real reason is because Oh, oh I think you might need some new friends oh speaking of which I actually bumped into Cheryl down at the bakery today, oh, yeah, she yeah. was saying it was great, you know, that you popped over to visit Keith yeah, Keith um, for it's his birthday the other day, but yeah, she said you kept putting on Angel's Son on YouTube on their TV oh, No. Nah. she just thought like after the 15th time was kind of oh. enough and it was, yeah, <laughs> it she, wasn't she 15, sort of no. said, look, maybe if you come back, don't do, don't play Angel's Son so many times on the TV. Don't do oh, that. I mean, like I didn't play it 15 times. That's an exaggeration. Well, that, that's what she said though. Like why? Why would she not tell the truth about that? I mean, I don't know. Why does anyone do anything? I, I guess it's just because.
1: All all all
0: yeah. And they also said you got drunk at their house, took your shirt off, and started saying "ning nong nong nang nong nong" and, and yelling that you are Anthony Kiedis. What's going on there? And then you kept pronouncing Saint Enger as Stenga? What the fuck is that? My and the weirdest thing was Cheryl was saying you were sitting in the hot tub just boasting about how you'd met the insane clown posse? You've never met the insane clown posse, have you? My no, he hadn't met the insane clown posse, but today we are very lucky to have someone on who I think has, Jonathan DeVoy, lead singer of the band Jerk, who in 2003 released an amazing album called When Pure Is Defiled, an incredibly produced album with a heap of bangers. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into all the support slots. We're going to get into a Johnny Rotten story. We're going to play a game. It's going to be intense. But Jonathan, firstly, thank you so much for joining us. What was it like meeting the Insane Clown Posse and playing to a bunch of juggalos?
2: It was pretty much exactly as chaotic as you'd think.
0: (sighs) Oh, yes. The thing was,
2: right, like, I I don't know whose idea it was to put us on with them. There's a couple of sort of backstories I guess I should tell, actually. I was a young man at the time. (laughs) Um, We were being uh, interviewed on MTV by Yvette Duncan at the time. She now, I think she's on the shopping channel. And I used to think I was hilarious, right? So... I was like, yeah, I'm talking about the fact that, you know, the only my only real experience at the time of Insane Clown Posse was on the WCW when they were doing that terrible tag team shit. <laughs> and so I was like, whatever, man, gig's a gig, right? So I said, on air, yeah, I'm going to wear an, MG, uh, an M&M shirt because, you know, the whole this and that because this is Australia and really at the end of the day, our culture is far removed from American culture, right? So to, to me, it was kind of – I was like, ha ha, whatever. Then they're interviewed on T V by Yvette the following day, and they're not happy about the thing that I said. The stupid thing, what the said, it could be the title of my autobiography, right? They, <laughs> I had a, a huge case of foot-in-mouth syndrome. Anyway, so I'm watching TV because, you know, you keep playing your own stuff, and you sit there, and you've got you – know, Watching it, you're 20 years old, going, <laughs> I'm fucking empty. This is so weird. Let me tell you something. We don't like John. Like, oh, fuck. fuck Anyway, I called my I called our manager at the time. I'm like, we, we've explained to them the boy thinks he's funny, but he's really just a stupid kid thing. And like, sort of turn out the first show. The first show was at the Sydney um, roundhouse. And the coolest thing about playing with a band like Insane Sound Posse. Is they have no backline whatsoever. Oh uh, yeah. So you don't have to share a stage. You got you have got the whole stage to to do your thing, and that was glorious. Like got to play a roundhouse stage with no one else's drums behind us, kind of thing. Cause that you know that's the lot of the of the opening band. It's just it just comes with the gig, but they didn't have that. They just had like coke bottles. Oh sorry, La
0: La oh La 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 Ice, yeah.
2: And they just ripped the labels off. Now there garbage bins full of it. Entire PA wrapped in plastic. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Anyway, we're upstairs in the rooms getting ready. And all we can hear outside is, I say, bang! I say, bang!" We're like, fuck. We're going to die. We're just going to die. We're like, couldn't be further from the thing that, the, that, they, that they're there to see. But we're sort of like, okay, well let's think about this. They've all got fucking fucked up clown paint on. They're all sort of, you know, <laughs> And it was three out of the four gigs, some of the best times we've ever had on stage. The crowd embraced it. They were like, oh, okay, cool. We get to Adelaide for the final show. At this point, I got carried onto the plane in, I want to say Brisbane, Brisbane to Adelaide. Woke up in the car on the way to the hotel. Best flight ever. Oh, love those ones. Because I was, you know, partying hardy because I just watched Insane Clown Posse three nights in a row and it was just like it was whether you're into it or not you just go oh, oh, oh that's you know well done hats off to you sirs nailed it and they, they also did the thing where they walked on stage out of a van sort of deal so we never really got to meet them
1: until da,
2: da, da, da. so the dressing rooms in Adelaide they had to walk three hours to get to the toilets right and Violent J comes walking through with this dude and he's like, it's me and we used to call him the Colonel and our sound guy standing there. And he's like, you guys him I'm like, yeah, man. fucking guys just say, like, what's the about things?'" And he's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Blah, 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 blah. They do their shit. Then <laughs> cut to three hours later. It's me, Lino, and Violent J at a strip club in Adelaide. Millions of shots later and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, bro didn't mean to offend you. I'm just, you know, but I know like, he managed to call and explain it to us. But what you have to understand is one of our friends is in hospital right now with a bullet in his
1: head. And I was like, Oh, okay. Because that's the thing. We, you know, it's 2003
2: and that sort of gun violence is still a bit of a joke to the, to the Australian mindset at this time. But he's like, nah, I get what, I get what you were doing. The only reason I got shits was because, dude is in intensive care right now with a slug that's put there by, you know, and it's it's a joke to you. I'm like, no, that's
1: not not a joke to me. That's not what I was joking about.
2: But yeah, yeah, i met insane clown posse. They wanted to kill me for a little bit and then they didn't. Then they brought me like shot to the city bar instead.
0: (laughs) I imagine that's how most encounters with ICP sort of go, but they kind of walk that fine line where it's like, you're aware of the pageantry. It's like- Dude, I grew up in
2: the theatre, man. Like, it, it, it was one of those things. I, I left school and I ran away and joined the circus, quite literally.
0: What circus are you joined? It was
2: A2IP, but it's still a circus. I, was, I played the lead in the Scottish play in 87, and when I was 18, rather, Bill Shakespeare was doing the production at the same time. I got better reviews. But no, I was like, I know I understand the pageantry. It's all about, it's all about the theatre.
0: And you know you're playing the heel, but then it's also like there's real world ramifications, and people are getting shot.
2: That's what I'm saying. And at the time, I, one, I'm, I'm a dumbass kid, having already been to LA and mixing the album, almost getting myself killed by walking the wrong direction up freaking Sunset. Because so again, twenty years old, you know, in LA on Sony money, it's all about the thing. But the difference is, none of the jerk shit would have been possible had I not developed a guy to do it. It's not me.
0: What do you mean by that?
2: I mean, there's, there, there, was, there, there used to be the me on stage and the me off stage, completely different. It's the Jim Osterberg, Iggy Pop thing.
0: But isn't it like sometimes it's an elevation of who you are or it's you know an accentuation? Are you saying it's totally different? Like you were making conscious choices to be like, all right, I wouldn't really usually do this, but this is what people want on the stage? Pretty
2: much. Because you do what you what it's required of you. It's what sort of got me in a lot of trouble. It's what cost me a lot of shit. But the whole, the whole point of jerk, Lamar and I developed together in a couple conversation conversations and we you know, wrote all the tunes together and it was like, it's going to be this. And I went fully in. I went all in.
0: So you'd say like, it's going to be this. It's like you're going to go industrial, metal, big hooks, big production.
2: The only thing we ever really wanted, the only thing we described it as, was going to be the most intense thing you would ever seen. It didn't have to be because that's the thing. He's, Lamar was a proper musician, right? Like he's he's schooled, born in Alabama, went to Berkeley, all that sort of stuff. Like okay. a, he's a he's a, he's a proper producer, he's a proper drummer. Like n- no double kicks, good drums. Like the bo- the Bonham the Bonham Ghost double kick, if anything, you know what I mean? Like he. We worked really hard to make it sound like that and then record it.
0: I think I listened to this album when it came out, but I was maybe sort of getting out of the metal sort of zone and going into my like, you know, post rock yeah. fucking phase or whatever I was doing. Yeah. But listening back to this, the fucking production is impeccable. Still, it holds up so well today. That's the thing about it, right? Like,
2: it took, it took a huge toll on everyone involved. <laughs> but it's a fucking great album at the end of the day. Sometimes, you know, throw on or it comes on randomly or whatever. And they go, Yeah. Like Lamar was really, really, really good at his job. Like I was extru- I got to stand behind some of the best engineers in the world. And that's how I learned to do what I've what I've then continued to do. But it was only because he knew exactly what he wanted and I was like, Yeah man, let's do it.
0: Well, he knew exactly what he wanted, but also he knew how to do it. And for listeners, if you haven't heard this album, just go listen. It's on Spotify or buy it. You know, maybe you still get some kickbacks on that. But have a listen to this production. I've just grabbed some little bits from various songs. And just the attention to detail is fucking incredible. those tiny little glitches that let you know that something big is coming it's fucking incredible especially in 2003
2: <laughs> there was, there's, a, there's a moment in uh, one of the songs you, one of the grabs you had there from Just What You Need and we basically we were like make it sound like the Matrix remember <laughs> that moment remember that moment in the first Matrix movie when Keanu Reeves is first unplugged and it does that sort of yeah. turning inside out thing we were like if you listen to it in 5 if you listen to it in 5.1 it's like you know, Pink Floyd Quadraphonic it goes all the way around and comes back in. And we were like, eh, fuck it, why not? We sort of, like anyone does, right? We were just making moments that made us happy. We were like, the kind of shit that we loved, we put it all into every song we wrote. and it's, That's the thing. It's, it's the little details that make a thing great, really.
0: Absolutely, but it still sounds really really good if you
2: had any idea where we first recorded it you'd in mind it, it was it was this room that overlooked Coogee beach next to next to the beach palace there literally we had lamar had to clean his shit more often than not because of the salt sea air. like sunshine and su- sunshine beautiful weather and beach out the window and we wrote all the songs for when when pure is defiled in that in that setting together <laughs> like couldn't be more opposite so sort of. it was but for that reason, it works because we were paying attention to what we were doing. Emotions emotions were definitely involved, but you have to put them in the right order or in the right spot. Otherwise, it makes no sense. You can't just have emotions for, for, no, for no reason.
0: Well, that's pretty mature thinking for a 19-20-year-old. No,
2: this is what I'm saying. I learned from really, really clever dudes.
0: For you to be that age, but also be willing to take on those lessons and learn, you know, and not be pig headed and just rely on, you know, oceanic charm or whatever it might be, like that's, that's quite impressive. Anybody
2: listening to this would laugh because I was also extremely difficult <laughs> as well. I was sort of like, if I'm doing this, then I'm going all in with the, you know, with the, with the alter ego deal, right? There was a very, very clear line. Then the line got blurry. Then the line got completely fucking erased totally. And it happens. It like it happens to the best of us.
0: Is that because like people you go out and people expect you to be a certain way and you just start living up to it and that's no you, know, you can detach a little bit. No, or? no, no, no.
2: For me, it, okay. Again, I, I can't speak for anybody else, but I'm saying I expected me to be a certain way. I never wanted to go. All right, none of that was real. You just ripped all these people off. So I'd often delve too far into the old. You know, if someone puts a glass down on my. Stage, you know, it becomes a piece of glass that I've opened myself up with, sort of shit. Just cause Woodstock '99, man, like that was me. All of that, all three days Woodstock '99 in me for forty minutes, and then you've got to switch it off. And you just go, fuck it, I'm not going to switch it off anymore.
0: And it becomes easier, maybe, not to switch it off when you've got Sony funding behind you, and you're like, this is my job now.
2: Well, it wasn't even that. Like, they just—the only reason we got that. We basically presented them with a package. They didn't have to do anything, too. We were making our own We were making our own videos. We literally got that production pretty feckin' close. I mean, we, we re-recorded everything in a proper studio and then we went to LA to show up, all that. But we, they didn't have to do nothing. They were like, sweet. And that's what, again, that's what they were looking for at the time. They were looking for complete packages. Because, again, you didn't really have – this is before your influx of singing TV shows. A lot of artists were cleared from rosters to make way for contest winners. That's just the way it looked to me. But anywho, that's, you have to play that game. Why not? Like, and that's the thing, because they did not interfere. They told me to put a shirt on, only because I was new, like, super skinny, and like, I'm not like a muscly attractive man. So I was like, I got body shamed in 2003 before it was cool.
0: Why don't you put a shirt on? Like When I imagine Jerk... I think of you, Sherless.
2: All I'm saying is that was the limit of their interference. They were like, "You sound awesome. Maybe do a more singley type song, and you're going to do this cover as well." That's and That was it. Here's the budget.
0: Spend it, and do the thing. And it was like, "Okay, thank you." So, did you go away and write a more singley song? Well, we did it in the studio,
2: and yeah, we yeah of course we did. That's the obvious one.
0: I hate people. Oh. For listeners who haven't heard it, this is it. And I was going through some of your older sets, and you guys would often play that like second or third. You'd play that early in the set. Was there a reason for that?
2: Yes. It's a double-pronged reason because oftentimes we were playing support spots. You know, we're openers for whoever, right? And so you've got to sort of... The first song, people aren't really paying attention because they're irritated that there's a support band and the sound guy's got to get used to a mix even though he got a chance to line check before the doors were open. So you've got one song to get your shit right and then you've got to hit him with something good or it something that they at least know to keep them there. And then you sort of hit them again with something equally as good. Not quite as singly, but singly, singly enough. You know what I mean? It's a tough, it's a tough thing to do. You're opening fucking Marilyn Manson or, you know, you're opening for Disturbed. And so we were like, we have to hit these people hard and we have to hit them immediately. And also I hate the shit out of that song and I wanted to get it over with. (laughs) That's prompt 2. I was like, yeah, 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 let's play the single first. Fuck them.
0: Do you hate that song because you're coerced to write it? or No,
2: I hate it because there's, there's, a, there's an absolute formula to writing a song. And it's very US-based. verse chorus, verse chorus, bridge chorus, diverse chorus. Right? There's a way to do it. And we were just buying we into that. We hadn't really written our songs that way. I was kind of like, fuck that. We sacrificed a couple of really good tracks to put this on there. I thought we were, were making an album here. I wasn't making, in my 20-year-old in my brain, I wasn't making a collection of singles, blah, blah, blah. I was making an album. And so I was like, fuck that. We don't need it. All of these songs, if you put them out, people are going to go, yeah. which is not me saying it's a bad song. You know, they asked us to do a thing, and we, need, and we did exactly what they asked. And I saw, we sort of had it in the pocket anyway. We had a lot of other sort of real single kind of riffs. Like, that. so dumb. We can't ever do anyone that the main reason is to you've got to keep an audience interested in seeing you because this is the time that they're going to go alright I'm going to go to the bar or blah blah one last time so I can get a good spot for such and such and you want to make them not do that
0: I, I love hearing this because this is something I, I preach about all the time is like being pragmatic but also sort of knowing your place
2: you take every damn inch of every opportunity you're given like there's no all killer no filler. There's no time. There's no time for fucking around. You don't have time to second guess yourself. You just have to do it.
0: Well, it's interesting looking at like the Spotify now. Because
2: hey man, we we didn't do that. None of us have actually. I don't know if, if anyone of us actually uploaded it, but it's and it's yeah, <laughs> it just appeared on there.
0: Yeah, I've the same with my bands. I don't know who's uploading that, but they've paid DistroKid Kid and they've done it and they're making some money. But yeah, good sucked on. in is the most popular song, and that's because maybe that was on. Need for Speed Underground and NHL two thousand and four. Mm. How did those deals come about?
2: That's sort of a thing that I get told about, and you know, cause, you know, Lamar and I wrote the song. He's the producer. He's he's talking to the label more than I am. Everyone else in the band was like, twice my age," sort of thing. Like Charlie, not so much, but you know, it, it, it was. I was the kid in the band. Like, just don't worry about him. <laughs> Wind him up. Point him in the right direction. Everything will be okay. Yeah, it was a deal that. Again, Sony, EA, yeah, this is before Sony BMG. This is almost the last, last of the glory days of the music industry before it got real pointless. But, you know, we had a straight team budget, for Christ's sake.
0: Holy shit. Just so many stickers. Yeah.
2: like if you, you show me your fridge door, it doesn't have a jerk sticker on it. It's pretty funny. They're still turning up.
0: You mentioned you met Disturbed or mm. you had to play with oh. them. Did you and David bond over the librette piercings?
2: No. We didn't bond at all he, He's a dick The thing about The thing about Disturbed is <laughs> Is they're a bunch of fucking dicks I can't I, I, There's a term floating around And I swear to god I made it up it's Versace metal
0: Hey I like that
2: They came to Australia for the first time And we were open for them And I was obsessed with the band Like we would do our set And I would stand of the stage And fucking blah 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 it was the one and only time my late mother ever actually saw a jerk light. So many, so many people standing around her at the sound desk at the Metro protecting her. And she's like, okay, i get it now. That was the first night in Sydney. And so he's standing there and we're talking. Not, not, so, not so long that I couldn't go, hey, man, I was in Queen of the Dance. Blah, blah, blah. Thanks for having My name's John. Thanks for having us on the tour. Turns to me and goes just sniffs at me and I'm like oh. so I patted him on the head because he's a fool he comes up to my shoulders patted him on the head and said alright I can't see you in Melbourne. and so progressively over that series of this gigs is the greatest progressively over that series of gigs their shit kept getting closer and closer to the front of the stage so we'd have less less room fucking whatever I will make do with my bathroom if that's what it fucking takes anywho so we get to Queensland, and we've got these hire cars driving to the venues. The Waterloo something like holds like hold, eleven like, hundred people. because is only their first time out. We pull up, and these kids come running over to the car, Can get photos with you. And like, yep, sweet, awesome. And they're like, thanks heaps because they just walk straight past us. We've been waiting here since nine o'clock this morning, and they basically did the hands over the eyes sort of something like straight off. They walked off stage and got into a van. the engine was running. I swear to God, I saw it.
0: <laughs> and that's pretty rough on your first Australian tour. It's like, how can you already be over this shit?
2: Don't don't you remember when you were the peon fucking shit band? Because I I know you were at one point, right? We've all been there. We've all been the shit fucking support band, trying just trying to do their thing, just trying to go <gasps> in their own little way. And they seem to have they, they seem to have already forgotten it, just because. Again, they too were on a, I fucking first heard Disturbed on a compilation CD for some dirt bike thing. You know what I mean? Like, we, 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 all, we all got discovered in different ways. I was on Need for Speech Underground, and every now and then, you put it on, and you go, because <laughs> it just comes on random. Yeah. Then you go, that's all right. That happened. They've forgotten how cool every fucking goddamn thing, I mean, it seemed like that at the time, you know?
0: Again. How can you be jaded on your first, like, Australian tour already? How can you be a cynic? It's fucked. Like, the fact
2: that someone has the ego to cover fucking Simon and Garfunkel is just irritating to me. Like, who the fuck do you think? Leave it alone. It's goddamn sounds of silence. Shut the fuck up and listen to the original. We don't need any more. Anyway.
0: You know, th- we'll get off to stir, but I just want to close on the blandest band I've ever heard. Mm. The mascot is called The Guy. Give it a name or something. And I challenge anyone to hum a disturbed riff. You mm. can't do it. And the, the worst thing was we did an episode on them. And, you know, listen to interviews with Dave where he's like, oh, I have to get high to write my lyrics. And then you read the lyrics. It's just like get psycho, want to get psycho. Yeah. Ad nauseum. It's like did you save your money.
2: <laughs> Look, I'm older now and I try to be a little bit more. But every now and then you just got to say, hey, Dude, stop Just Just don't do it anymore Just don't Knock it off just knock it off
0: You mentioned during Queen of the Damned mm. This kind of brings me To a two pronged question Because mm. we could go In different directions here Because I want to get back To the Jerk album Please. Because I think it's actually A fucking great album I do too Queen of the Damned Are you playing drums In that movie? I am And you also play acoustic guitar So you are actually A very very good musician Like you play bass I play bass well?
2: Yeah play bass Like I lost I lost a great portion of my finger at the start of this year.
0: Oh, sorry to hear that.
2: So just on the, um, it's the pick hand, right? So I've just got to wait for it to stop hurting. But it's sort of, I've had to change up the way I play most other things. Drumming doesn't seem to hurt so much. Drumming hasn't suffered. But um, yeah, I kind of, I like making noises on things. and I'm, I'm okay. I'm the world's okayest musician.
0: Yeah, I I disagree with you. I think you're quite good at, yeah. You know, with acoustic guitar, you you your singing voice is incredible. Acoustic guitar skills great. But you drumming. Are you drumming in a corn cover band?
2: I was I was with with my brother, with my brother Jesse from from D'Artilver. Um that was the thing we actually did before COVID came and ruined our lives. Digger dudes. Yeah, and I was with uh, with with a bro who was in James Banzie, he's in Niveau. Um, Daniel, who's up in Queensland now, he's in Skunkbone and another oh, band's name escapes me at the moment, but I'm sure it'll come. You know what I mean? Like it, it was just a bunch of dudes, and we were like, "Well, one of the easiest way to do it, because I mean, Dark Cell was in a down swing. Everyone else was like, no one was doing anything. We didn't know the world was going to end. So, Jesse did it with a bunch of guys up in Queensland, and we did it in Sydney a couple of times. And yeah, that was it. Was just it was mainly to go. Get as many people in the room as possible, and have them enjoy music that we all grew up on, if you will.
0: I saw videos that, of you guys playing early, like Life Is Peachy, sort of era Queen yeah. songs. The original idea was just to
2: do the first two albums, but then the second time we did it, we just sort of branched out and just went, "What would be fun to do?"
0: I'm still waiting for the All in the Family cover, but you know. So let's get on to Queen of the Damned. Mm. Like that's fucking that's a great opportunity. How cold were you in Werribee? Playing that same set over and over,
2: unless you're on a little bit of music, movie, movie magic. and uh, young, young Robbie Farnham can, can attest to this. We were sitting there. The only time we were actually uncovered by dressing gowns that had heating patches sewn into the back, heating pads sewn into the back of them, was when we were shooting. The rest of the time, we were sitting sort of in a in this bus, and we watched three and a half thousand gods get ready in a sandstorm every afternoon, and we kind of felt bad. What it, Again, it is what it is, right? Movie magic. Those poor people, seriously, because every afternoon in wore I don't know if the listeners at home are familiar with the area that much, but there's kind
0: of a freaking sandstorm every afternoon. Yeah, and also a pungent stench from the sewage farm. We were just going,
1: make it a movie, go. I, haven't, I have not I a 30
2: million piece drum kit. It's like no one in their right mind would have all this <laughs> crap on stage. And I'm wearing fucking... Tight ass fucking leather pants and new rock boots that come up almost to my knees. And I'm like, you don't know much about drummers, do you? It's like, yeah, but it might get in shot. And I'm like, fuck that. I want to. Uh.
0: So I've actually had an extra on this podcast. Talk about
2: really? it. Really? Did they say it was hell? They did. It was awful. I feel so bad for them because we had like, I'm not joking. They gave, they gave us these dressing gowns that had those things when you, you know, the glow stick of heating pads. Just. You sort of smack them up and they're hot for like they're charcoal or something like that. We had like, there were like three of them down the spine. And every time they're like, we're just sitting there. Someone would come up and put this all over you. And you're sitting there going, oh, I'm so tired, everybody. It's so warm right now. Yeah, it was never cold.
0: Yeah, basically, this guy was saying that every like you know maybe three hours, someone would come by with a cup of Red Bull and be like, "Here you yeah. go." Yeah, it
2: was like it was a six to six deal, you know. We've going to shoot in the night time because it makes. But I'll tell you something, those those the chimneys with fire, four down each side. They were real. That was that. You could feel the heat from where I was sitting on the stage, and they were like you know hundred feet away.
0: So, did you get to go to the premiere?
2: Nah, it, it was in Melbourne. I live. I, I was. I just lived too far away at the time. <laughs> I snuck into him. But I was wearing a hoodie. He's like, basically, the first thing you see is there's a big giant shot of my nipple. I've got it framed. Ah, oh, it's nice to hear. I was like walking out, my hoodie on, and like five people I knew were in the line waiting to come in. I'm like,
1: God damn
2: it, busted! I went and saw it at the movies by myself, and I was like, this is one of the. Dumbest movies I've ever fucking <laughs>
0: seen in my entire life. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's not a good film, bro. When you were making it, did you have any inclination that that might be the case?
2: Did you think I gave a fuck? I shaved my eyebrows off for this role. Did you think I actually cared about if the movie was good at this point?
0: I, l- I like to imagine that you rocked up on day one. They're like, we didn't ask you to shave your eyebrows. Like,
2: No, they did. I auditioned that way because we had just done a photo shoot in Jerk. And I was like, fuck it, Leno does it. Lino could pull it off I just couldn't I just looked perpetually surprised <laughs> I was like It's the dumbest thing I ever did Do you know you know how itchy Eyebrows double is? Uh, no I don't It's fucking itchy <laughs> And they're like No we like We like you like this You have to stay this way And I'm like
1: Oh god Damn it We're never going to get that again
0: my favorite part of that movie, and I have made a meme about this, is that like the fact that the the main singer v- vampire guy, I forgot his name,
2: <laughs> Lestat.
0: Lestat sleeps through Elvis, the Beatles, you know, Jimi Hendrix, and then he's you guys jamming at a warehouse in Docklands in Melbourne. He's like, "All right, I'm getting up now." It's the and then he just lays on the amp. It's the best.
2: Again, another piece of movie magic. The Docklands, the tomb where all the and where all the elders hang out. And three other locations, all in the old Nescafe warehouse in St Albans.
0: Oh <laughs> man, movies aren't as glamorous as you would believe, huh?
2: I feel like Buzz Aldrin just going around proving the moon landing was real. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. Seriously, that movie fucking sucked, and here's why: <laughs> Matthew fucking Newton. We can't get <laughs> you. Couldn't get you. Couldn't get Tony well, fucking Antonio Banderas.
0: Get Matthew Newton.
2: So you get Vincent Perez, Matthew Newton from Mad Max (laughs) it was just
0: oh fuck it was so
2: dumb
1: I had had a blast
2: I had a blast it was the best time ever I got flown down to Melbourne you know paid back in the days when actors were paid well you know I had speaking role (laughs) We we had vocal coaches and everything did you really? total waste of time
0: what was the vocal coach doing? Like, like, we were like,
2: you know, we had like, conversations like New Orleans and I was like, nah, I'm just talking about Nicolas Cage from Connie, Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like Tyriel Tyri- Mora is playing our manager and like he hated me for whatever reason, so I just went with it. Okay, that's our relationship. Drummer hates the manager. <sighs> fuck you, John. It was a, it's a stupid-ass movie. Like, Jerk you know, had a song on the Cut soundtrack. Do you remember the movie Cut?
0: I do, I do, yeah.
2: Kylie Minogue gets killed in yes. the first ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. There's a there's a jerk song on that with the old singer and me playing guitar. And Lamar did it. And Lamar did another tune, a remix on there. Can't remember what it's called, but it's got the chick going time to do some
0: killing. It's, a, it's yeah. that guy wearing like the sort of like it's almost like a stocking. He's like yeah. he's got like
2: the one-sided garden shear thing and like the mixture between stocking and Hannibal Lecter's mask in Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, directed by the saxophone player. From the hoodoo girls. Fucking hell! <laughs> yeah. do, you check,
0: do you check your letterbox sometimes, and you just get like you know five dollars eighty from Apron, and you're like, "What's this for?" Oh, it's for cut.
2: Well, no, I get I get like I get like three bucks every eight months for. A, I, I think it's still I hate people like that. That's the most prevalent song.
0: That explains your gold grill that you're rocking at the moment.
2: Absolutely, it's like I saw the guy from Simply Red and went one two, all right, bitch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so going back to your album, though, and, and you know, I hate people like that and stuff. Did when the album launched, did it do what you hoped it would do? You don't. Okay,
2: it's going to sound cliché, right? But you don't ever go into these things imagining what might happen. I experienced a, a bunch of shit in a row that made me go like far out. I've had the experience of a lifetime, and that was before the album was released. So when it was, we sold a bunch, but it wasn't. We weren't going to win an ARIA for it. Although we did go to the Arias.
0: I'm banned for life because I got blackout drunk. Did you wear a shirt at least? I was wearing a shirt the whole time
2: and sunny. Oh my God. Actually, I had a singlet, a college shirt and a suit jacket. I suited up for that and I shouldn't have been wearing sunnies because people couldn't tell if I was talking to them or not because I couldn't see my eyes and it got complicated and FBI radio would never play joke ever again and drinking's bad.
0: There's your PSA for listeners? The amount of
2: people that it, that I meet or have met, right? Who that album deeply touched. It's not just like,
0: that's you know,
2: nice, set, bruh. it's like a dude killed himself listening to it. Oh my God. Sort of level. You know, it, 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 it was at the time, I was like, I used it certainly as a catharsis. And it turns out other people did too. And it like, it's, you know, as I sit here on my in my rocking chair on my career's porch, I'm like, sort of paved the way for some shit. It's like, this, you can actually do this and more, sort of deal. I'm not saying we started anything, we didn't do nothing first, but I kind of like to think that you know, still kind of, remember that being jerk? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Anyone who does always goes, oh, yeah. They either loved us or they hated us.
0: Well I definitely know some people who loved you because when I said, "Hey, I think I'm going to actually get to get Jonathan on an episode," someone said, "They are the most generous band I've ever played with." They messaged you you had a sold out show at the Gershwin Room in S- at the SB, and you're like, "Yeah, you guys can play." And like, "What?" It's like, "Yeah, you can open." It's like, "That is incredibly generous." I call you the Reverse Disturbed. Well,
2: again, I was speaking speaking for myself at the time, and it definitely would have made sense to us in order for us to do it. But I was just like that. I was like, oh, yeah? I, I had a I had a residency at the Sando for like three years. I was like do acoustic shows every Thursday night. And after, set you know, some of them, someone would always come up to you and go, I play blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, show me. Next week, you're up. You're on. Like, if you want to do it, then do it. This is what's stopping you. If you've got tunes and you want to play them, turn up here with your shit and do it. Really? Like, why are you wasting any
1: time? wanted.
2: I've always wanted to play music. Well, you're an idiot because you don't. So do it or don't. Don't waste my time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One of my old bands used to do a a thing that I encourage other bands to do where where you get a message or an email or whatever saying, hey, really, really like you guys. And my response was always like, do you play an instrument? If so, get up on stage with us. Mm -hmm. Like come to a practice, practice that day. Then we'll go to the show and we'll hang out. We had some great experiences, and when we went on tour, like people would be like, oh, you played with our friend Tony. He got up on stage, and like that was Tony. Tony mm. loved that. He'd shared it with all his friends, and people would come and see us at other shows. So it's like, you know, it's win-win.
2: Which always brings me back to my point. Music is the only goddamn fucking language the entire human race speaks. The only thing we have in common.
0: Because otherwise, you're just like, oh, yeah, cool. Thanks. Thanks so much. But-
2: you, don't have to be, you don't have to be super tight with the people you're in a band with off stage that kind of chemistry isn't as important as the time you spend together on stage, Or the time you spend together playing together is far more important than your relationship outside that situation. Outside that situation is fucking irrelevant.
0: Do you say that as a lesson learned? Well, yeah.
2: 100% actually. So when I was little, I was into poison and I, the picture I had was that they all lived together in a house. And it's like, you know, if you're in a band together, you live together. And it's like the fucking Partridge family or something something like that. You all, you know, Somewhere between that and Scooby Doo, you're rocking out in a van. But then I realised like that's not that at all. It's a completely different kind of relationship than a normal human relationship. And the only thing that matters is the chemistry between you when you play. And right? Fleetwood Mac is my example for that. That's my answer to anything like that. Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> one of them was married to another one of them's wife. I'm not this story once. I could never get it right. But you know what I mean? Like it, it didn't matter. They just Well, the band comes first, so whatever. I'll just say bye to you every night. We'll deal with it our own way. Do
0: you find like when you bump into people and they're like, "Oh, how's this person that you might have been in a band with?" And you're like, "I haven't spoken to them for like four years." Like when we do, it's cool, but yeah, you would because you share some really intense, unique experiences. But
2: together, yeah, and that's what sort of it's that's what makes it. (gasps) Cue sad violins. It's what makes it harder when it ends, and you don't really understand why. It's like you, you people have stood by me for a long time through a lot of hard, core sort of dumb shit. You stood by, and now, now it's enough. What's what when you know? They just don't get it's That's that's the difficulty of a relationship like that as well.
0: Was that also like maybe the straw that broke the camel's back, or it was just like
2: hard to say? But I, I broke first. I, I I broke in a very bad way. And then they sort of just disappeared on me, but it was the whole thing, and again, no excuse. I'd, I'd, I'd go back and I'd change it a thousand, million billion times if I could. But had I been told, 23-year-old me would have told me now to get back, Don't tell me what don't tell me what to do. I know what I'm doing. I've got like I was just an alcoholic, and it makes it a lot harder to um turn off a monster that you created out of all the worst parts of yourself as, as a catharsis. And, but then you just went, no, it's more fun being this guy. And then everyone hates you.
0: And that catharsis is also what brings people to a be- to the band. And it's like we can sense that there's an earnesty and honesty when we connect with that. And you're like, this is also really hurting me and my relationships, though.
2: That was the idea, right? Like there's footage. I'll have to dig it out and send it to you maybe. There's like sometime after we played with Disturb, we were in the same venue in Brisbane. And I basically got the, there was, a, I don't know, a couple hundred of them. I just got them to spit on me. This is like, again, 2003. Just didn't care. Get, get it all out of your system. I'm what's known as a flusher. Just focus all this and I'll carry it for you.
0: Which is unsustainable for you.
2: Very much so, but I still do it. I'm still doing it now in in, in tons of ways. It's, it's quite weird. Like the, the effect... Of being Me, <laughs> I I look back
1: on it
0: fondly But it fucking cost me everything You have a draw man People still like the band When I mentioned to friends That you know I'm, I'm talking to you They're like fuck yeah But also Jimmy May Thought you were special enough To sit and just stare at you And paint you For what Hours and hours No
2: no He took a photo He come over to my house And he took a photo And painted from the photo And even But I, I mean He did it in An hour or two a day Six days in a row And that was it that was the thing about like, that kid, boy, he's got talent. It's really irritating.
0: Well, I feel that about you. I've seen your acoustic sets. I've seen you drum. I've heard you sing. And I was like, what a... Yeah, but I'm not even
2: really interested in tattooing, but I would slam my own hands in the car door rather than have to admit that I will never be able to practice enough to be as good as Jimmy is at his rough, fuck-ass sketches.
0: You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> that boy, can do some shit. But, yeah. For listeners who aren't aware of what we're talking about, you have an amazing portrait painted of you. He, had, he, put, he was
2: putting it into the article, and I told him at the time, I was like, I'm not famous enough, don't do it. I don't do it. But he wanted to anyway, <laughs> which I will, will always be extremely humbled by. I can't imagine anyone wanting to sit and look at my face for that long. It's it's quite – I don't have mirrors in my house anymore. I got rid of all of them. It's, so he took a photo, and he's like – he, he, he knew he knew me and my moods at the time quite well, so he put me in one. Like, my wife at the time took a photo. And then it was literally the next week, he's like, come over, come over to dry and check this shit out. And I was like, It was oil paintings, I didn't know this at the time, take about oh, a decade to become fully dry. Like painting with oil is super risky because it takes so long. But it, it, the results are, you know, they speak for themselves. So that thing probably only dried last year, <laughs> but it's been hanging up in the in the shop. But yeah, so saw it and then so I got a photo next to it, and it's twice the size of me. It was an honour to have it to have it done, and he he did he did a tattoo for my mum, which passed away on uh, on Bondi. Yeah.
0: I'm sorry to hear about that, man.
2: Ah, it happens to everybody, right? Time, time she doesn't. It? doesn't let any of us go.
0: Well, I wonder if uh, Johnny Rotten has let shit go because what the fuck did he hate about this song? <laughs> what is about Rise, the close of the album, a fucking great song that Johnny Rotten has a problem with? Well,
2: I can only go on the stories I heard, right? And some, some I, like... Half of me thinks that they were messing with me, but the other half thinks, yeah, because I don't know if people have heard the original. But uh, this was one of those things that, again, upon label direction, and we were like, what covers do you own? We, were, we asked them, what, are we, what do you already have a license for that we could just do? That's clever. And this was one of the ones that came out, and we were like, all right, all right. And the only thing that stuck out to any of us was Anger is an Energy. And then Charlie made a riff based off the... Anyway, that's how it turned out. We was, and I was like, I'm digging that. Let's make it a secret track because I had to... You, you made me put I Hate People Like That on this album. So we're having a secret track. God damn it.
0: You were also a metal band releasing in 2003. It was government mandated you had to have like a secret track. The end of In Utero, Nirvana... and not.
2: Um, anyway, so... The story I got told was when he heard it, he got the shits. He got like super pissed off because it was like they played in the final mix and they played it to him really loud. And there's me screaming in Johnny, and apparently he's like, fuck, and slammed himself in. It. I don't even know if it's true, but someone, that's what I mean. He wouldn't come out of the bathroom for about an hour. Well,
0: I hope to God it's true, but. Yeah, 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 let's just say If you true. listen to
2: my version versus his version, and I mean, like, you know. Johnny Rotten right now In this day and age Has about the same amount of power Over me as Jermaine fucking Greer Like I, I don't care what you have to say Or if you're mad at me You're just doing me a favour If you are Living in your head rent free And all those All those things That the Chidrons are saying
1: But yeah Apparently
2: He got the shits Because it was like God damn it Because <laughs> we just took the anger as an energy And Johnny Rotten
0: <laughs> what's well, a great fucking song <laughs> And so is Say it Those gu- guitars sound meaty.
2: Charlie was a and still is, uh, builds guitars. Oh,
0: okay.
2: Our, yeah. our guitars at the time, and he, he, but he also has an extreme attention to detail part of his brain. Like, he's, he spent a very long time getting his sound right, and all we had to do was stick a microphone in front of it. That was the beauty of this whole deal. Like, we knew, everyone involved knew what they were doing, and but. All I had to do was sit there and go this and this and this is what I reckon, because Lamar and I were sort of package deal, like the Wachowskis (laughs) without (laughs) complications. I love the New Matrix movie. All we had to do was record it well enough because we were going to hand it off to someone who they were just gonna clean it up a little bit, come back with some master. And it's like all we had to do was what we've been doing the whole time. Right? We'd locked in, you know, it was perfect.
0: So when you said you sent it to someone else, were you talking about Sean Bevan?
2: Talking about Sean Bevan, indeed.
0: Fuck, that dude has worked with like Nine Inch Nails, Marilyn Manson, a fucking heap. Slayer, no doubt. Unwritten law.
2: And Lamar and I sort of talked about the guys because, you know, as a man, you go into the studio, you take CDs with you, and you play them. These are the things I want to sound like. Just comparison mixes, blah, blah, blah. I want a guitar tone like this. Yeah. You know?
0: Reference albums. <laughs>
2: you know, a lot of the records we had, the sound Spiral, viral, Superstar. And I'm like, well, that's two for Sean right off the bat. We were just leaning. We had like Matt Hyde was on the list. We had you know Reese Fulber, you know, doing his Fear Factory business. It was like we're going for the guys that would you know do the thing. But it was always like it, it's got to be real. That's cause we were playing this shit live. But nothing with nothing that's on the record you couldn't replicate in some way, shape, or form and have it in a legitimate way. You know, so was someone who had that spirit and wasn't just going to smash the life out of it, which a lot of the other guys sort of you know some of their albums were a little clicky. It was, as was the style of the time. But we didn't want that because we didn't sound like that. And Sean literally became the logical choice because he was like, "I love everything about this. I don't want to change it. I just want to point it in the direction. <laughs> I want to make sure I, I want to make sure everyone can hear it. All the stuff that you've done, which was just like, nice."
0: Yes, absolutely. Especially like Antichrist Superstar, Manson sort of aside, that is an amazing album. It's
2: a cracking album. Like I still, it's one of my. It's an inspirational record. I was seventeen when listening to that.
0: Yeah, well, I tend to gravitate towards albums that have a sort of a layer of filth on it or a bit of a live energy.
2: It's got to be raw. Like, yeah. you, can play, you can play to a click track and a song can still breathe. Yes. You just got to make sure it breathes and make sure it's a real song. That's all you got to do. Play to a click track if it helps. Play with innings. Play with backing tracks. Who fucking cares? Do your shit. Make it real.
0: So live, would you guys sort of have backing tracks and all that stuff? Yeah.
2: Like, Lamar had it in his headphones and we played to Lamar. Me, Lino, and Charlie we were, the, we were live as shit, as was Lamar when he was playing drums. He had like synths and noises in one ear and like not real drums in the other ear. And we never had a click. We had a, a, a closing hi hat because that's something a drummer does. It's like, who cares? You know, like, you could take it away and we still sound good. We used to rehearse with like catastrophic failures of things. So, you know, take the bass out, take the, the tracks, just go dead. We could still do the whole set. I'm playing guitar as well, if if, if we have to, you know, we can go to a two-guitar version of it. You just get ready for it, but it never happens. It never broke down.
0: Well, that's kind of interesting because I know a friend of mine, Ez from the band Space Goat, mm. went and saw a, um, a band at a festival and they were like half an hour late because they were just trying to get like, you know, the backing tracks working or the, the sampler working because they weren't ready to go on without it.
2: Exactly. The the interesting thing is I was lucky and and, again, lucky enough to – Get to fill in on base for Dark Cell when they did Europe a couple of years ago, and the touring rig for that. Ah, Matt again—he's another one of those genius types. <laughs> Every band should have a Matt, is what I was—is what I was saying. Like he's just great. But we've all got like wireless packs that are connected to our phones with individual mixes for the Kemper thing and all this sort of stuff. And just so we don't need any backline at all, There's, we don't need nothing except for this like rack thing and and a drum kit. As long as we're all connected to it. Because rigs have gotten so complicated, you know, everything's like the, Everything's like the guy from Living Colors' guitar rig. It's
0: too much, man. Play guitar. I saw your drum set up like Queen of the Damned, man. Sure, when, you, when, you, when you're talking
2: about when you're talking about what Doctor was doing, mate, that's the way to do it. You keep you keep as as minimal risk as possible because these wireless transmitters, this laptop, and this Wi-Fi transmitter thingy, basically, at the end of the day, and all the all the Outboard gear. Yeah. You do it that way, so nothing breaks down. But you're still at risk. You still, you're still. A, but like, that's the risk you take in making something live.
0: Was that the Dark South tour? With did you guys get to support Cradle of Filth?
2: We went and saw them. It was the same. It was the uh, Leven Gothic Treffen, the big festival in Leipzig, in Germany. So technically, we played on the same bill as Cradle of Filth. I don't know. I can't remember. It's like I just watched. No, they have. What am I talking about? Yeah, yeah. There's some sound wave and all. All sorts of stuff. We we were playing with uh, Christian Death and, I mean, technic- like Combi Christ and stuff like that. Dark Souls done a heaps good job in the last couple of years.
0: Back to the album. You've got mm. a song called Killing Me, Killing You, mm. which is the fucking worst ABBA cover I've ever heard, if I'm to be honest. <laughs> I've got a game based on this, and I, I thought oh, okay. maybe if I replace key words out of popular pop songs with the word killing, would mm-hmm. you still be able to guess what it is? I'm up for it. Let's do it, man. I've got an intro for you. Here it is.
1: That's
2: the greatest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, and that's coming God. from a guy heard
0: the queen of the damn soundtrack, so fuck yeah. Oof. All right. You ready, man?
2: I'm ready. Let's go.
0: What a Killing World.
2: Wonderful. Wonderful World.
0: Fully Armstrong, isn't it?
1: Yeah! Yeah!
0: <laughs> killing Rhapsody. Ah, oh, it's Rhapsody. Yeah! The Sound of Killing. Wow. I've got this on vinyl. There you go. There
2: you go, kids. Dude from Jerk has got the sound of music on vinyl. I'm sorry. <sighs> Silence. Yeah, yeah, By God. which band? Well, I'm calling it Paul. So I'm calling it fucking Simon, Simon and Garfunkel. I can't believe I went for sound of music.
0: Yeah, you revealed something you did not need to reveal to this audience. Yeah. Okay, yeah. It <laughs> was The Sound of uh, Silence by our favourite band, Disturbed. Poorly covered by Simon and Garfunkel.
2: I was already bitching about it, too. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. Right. For whom the killing tolls.
2: It's that band from Stranger Things, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. I said, man, it's going to get cancelled because of their behaviour in the 80s. Do you know what I'm glad of? Metallica, of course. Uh, you know, like for whom the bell tells. I'm so, so, so glad the smartphones didn't exist while joke was a thing, hey?
0: Yeah, I mean, I still claim you can't cancel Metallica if you're not an industry... Uh, yes! if you don't work in the industry or you weren't already a fan. Killing to the Jungle. <sighs>
2: Another fantastic album. Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah! yeah! Gnar... I had a G and F and R shirt, and mum wouldn't let me wear it in public because it had implied swearing on it. My mum was staunchly religious. Really? Oh yeah, that's a whole other thing.
0: Come back, man, we'll go into it. Mm. Killing Sui. Chop Sui. Yeah, yeah. Killing the Vita Loca.
2: <laughs> Living the <La> Vita Loca.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Truly Madly Killing.
2: Oh, Savage Garden. Yeah. yeah. If you do a heavy- like that song is real good if you heavy it up. Some of Savage Garden's riffs, riffs work really well heavy.
0: Would you like to come back on for an episode and we'll deep dive on Savage Garden's self-titled album?
2: Look, I'll, I'll make a, I'll make a heavy covers album of Savage Garden songs and nothing else, and do that.
0: All right. Well, that, that that's a verbal contract. Let's go into it. My killing will go on. I saw that. I've only seen that movie once. It was in Japanese. It was on a plane to London.
2: So, so I mean, on my, my heart will go on. Yeah,
0: yeah. This one is a bit of a tricky one. This is the last one. Finish strong. Killing and Bleed.
2: <laughs> that, that's that song about Michelle. <laughs> yeah! Inside Michelle, I Wait and Bleed. Who the fuck's Michelle?
0: Come? Well, it was my one of my first girlfriends. And I, my cousin, oh, really? I remember my cousin going, you'd like to be inside Michelle. And I had no idea what it meant. I was like, I, absolutely.
2: I, I would also like to add, I mean, I mean, no offense. It's just, it's been my joke for about. Well, since the song was released, I'm telling you, I always used to go, I, used to, I, do an, I, I do an acoustic version of it, and nine times out of ten, I'll always, are there any Michelles in the room? So I'll see you, baby.
0: <laughs> I mean, if only I had known you'd done an acoustic cover of Wait and Bleed, I would have prepared to grab.
1: Because <laughs> I don't
2: Like I almost can't help myself. I'm actually saying Michelle. It's like I used to, but <laughs> I'm. I used to do a last uh I used to do a version where I was. I would. I couldn't help it because I saw a meme, and it was the cross-eyed bear.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: and I was. I, I started singing it that way, just because you, you get in the habit of stuff. You sort of switch off and you're going,
1: eh,
2: maybe I'll get a puppy. You know what I mean? Like you're not. Sometimes you're not really present when you're on stage as well.
0: It's the weirdest feeling. I've sort of spoken about this before where it's like you feel everything and absolutely nothing all yeah. at once. It is the, and you're in control and you're totally out of control. And it is, it is a real, and there's certain moments in songs that where I was playing where I'm like, I just knew that feeling was coming up and sometimes mm-hmm. you kind of lose it. But like there are moments where you're like, this is my high right now.
2: Exactly. You become hyper aware of the thing about it that you love because yeah. it's like, Oh, here
1: it comes. And the
2: thing happens, and you're like, oh, I love that thing. I can't wait to do that again.
0: And the weirdest thing is that you, you know, the song would end, and you look at your knuckles, and you're like, I've split my fucking knuckles across a snare, and I had no idea that I'm pissing blood everywhere. And then as soon as the song finishes, you're like, I'm in a world of pain now.
2: Can I ask you a question, drummer to drummer? Yes. Have you ever done the trifecta? I'm talking in a single, two, three, four balls. Face, split knuckle on the rim. Balls, face, rim!
0: I love that Blood Dust, the song. I, super. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well
2: done.
0: I haven't had the balls, um, which is more more saying something about me, but I've had a lighter thrown at my head and it fucking like nearly concussed me. It was mm. brutal. I've been lucky. For the course of my life, I haven't had that
2: much shit, other than straight up abuse.
0: Yeah, and I'm sorry for that. I didn't mean to do I, it. I can't really remember your face, so you
2: No, I mean like I was, I, I'm. It's I was very much. It's not a fucking TV, people. You can answer me. Don't fucking stand in front of me like three feet away, and be like,
1: sort
2: of thing. It's Like no, we're doing this together. So you sort of make yourself heard. Yeah, I had a 20 cent coin. I think I
1: hit my guitar. The
0: weird thing is, it's always your friends. Like, I've had a shoe thrown at me. That's fine. I had a pork chop in tinfoil thrown at me. And I was like, what the fuck was that? And then my friend afterwards came up. She's like, oh, we were at the restaurant. We're like, we're going to go see his band. We'll take some food and we'll throw it at him. I was like, you're my friends. (laughs) What are you doing?
2: We'll take some food and we'll throw it at him because he'll get that. He likes that sort of thing. He talks about it all the time.
0: I was playing with Morrissey at the time. He hated it. But you mentioned you played an Alanis Morissette cover. You've also played Ace of Spades, Closer by Nine Inch Nails. You've played Hit Me Baby one more time.
2: Uh, that's sort of, you haven't lived until you've seen a room full of metalheads singing along with you, singing Hit Me Baby one more time. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful moment.
0: And I think we align on uncertain tastes. Like, I love pop songs. I love mm. big hooks. I love that stuff. And I'm not afraid to admit that I, Dude, I a love song that a song is a
2: song, right? A good song is a good song. It, it doesn't Correct. matter what. It's all, this, it's all this talk of genre that killed music.
0: I think you are... Prime for a cold cover, an acoustic cold cover. I would love to hear it.
2: Well, I've, I've stopped, I stopped doing Nickelback. So What song? <laughs> all of them. They're basically the same fucking riff. <laughs> you can play for 20 minutes and sing eight Nickelback songs. It's genius fucking songwriting. It's like the Offspring. The Offspring have just released the same album every five years because eventually all those people are going to give birth to other fucking stupid Offspring fans. And then they'll buy the new album, which is the same fucking song as the album. I was 14 when I got my first job at McDonald's. McDonald's, goddammit. I was watching video hits. I'm like, nice. I'm 14. I'm into this. And here I am, 42 years old and offspring still. Like everyone's just going, here's the thing. Everybody. Oh, great, mercy. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Pull your pants up. Every now and then
2: people are like, like it'll come up. It's like, oh, you want to? You wanna, the jerk ever get together and I'm like, how cold is it in hell? Not very? Okay. You let me know. It's it's very unlikely for several reasons, and the chief amongst them being, why would we ruin what we did by trotting it out later and being too old to pull it off? Just for fucking nostalgia's sake. What's the point of that? It ruins it cheapens the whole damn deal. Like there's so many bands coming out right now and they and have got their little iPads. Good so they might because um, they can't remember the lyrics of their own um,
0: I'm always of the thought it's like you think you want this more than you actually want this. hmm
2: What you want is like of course everyone like nostalgia is a brilliant emotion because everyone feels safe because everything was what it was. And it's like, Yeah, we're right in the middle of this town. how good is it to be twenty three years old? Guess what? I'm not twenty I'm not twenty three anymore. I'm forty two. Now, can you, like, imagine?
0: And I always think, like, I've got this general theory about missing people. I'm like, I don't really miss people. I think you miss times. Mm -hmm. And and you miss a feeling. And that feeling might be, hey, a lack of responsibility or a lack of, you know, I don't have to pay car insurance. Or how fun is it just sitting in a room talking shit with friends or playing music or whatever? And you, as much as you want jerk to reform, you want to go back to that time. And it won't be what you think it is. Because memory memory
2: is a funny thing. Like, we remember emotions for longer. We remember how we felt. We don't necessarily remember the instance. Like that's what I'm saying. Half of the shit that I was talking about might not have even happened, but that's what it felt like happened. Now you know what I mean. Like I know for a fact that there was those conversations. Me and Lino staggered up the entire length of that one street in Adelaide. That everything's on to get to our hotel. You know, after insane clown posse. I remember the plastic cups. I remember them getting covered in stick, booing us, but getting covered in soft drink for an hour and then sprayed with confetti and chicken feathers and they had to get public transport home and we were safely behind here in our raincoats. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like That sort of shit you remember on an emotional level and that's what not to put too fine a point on it, that's the only that's, just, that's the principal beauty of music is it cements those emotional memories in place and to it, it would just cheapen it and we're all too old, I can't sing like that anymore fuck. You'd <laughs> <It'd> be like <laughs> it, it just wouldn't be like, it's just, it's cool to see Ozzy Osbourne because he's still alive. You go, know, wow. He's <laughs> still, wow. But you don't go and see You don't go and sing because you expect him to fucking nail his songs.
0: It's a bucket list.
2: It's a thing, right? It's exactly that. But look, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm all for nostalgia.
0: Well, man, this podcast is based in nostalgia, man. We're talking about I mean. 20 years old with, like, you know, hindsight being our best friend.
2: At the very least. Your relationship with me doesn't change because the music is still out there. We're just not making any more. That's all. Nothing's changed for you as a person in your life. Nothing's changed for me except this. Our relationship through these songs stopped. Then, go back and listen to them. Remember all that shit. Like it, <laughs> You've got to live
1: now, not
0: then. Beautifully said, man. I think that's a perfect place to leave it. Honestly, I've done heaps of interviews because I'm a prolific journalist. I'm a hard-hitting, fucking interrogating, relentless <laughs> professional in the podcasting realm. And this has, and I'm not sh- just shitting you, been one of my, f- if not my absolute favorite uh, thing I've ever done <laughs> no, podcasting-wise. Like, if, you you want, really, if you want, if you
2: want stories, I've got a part two for you if you want.
0: <laughs> Fuck yeah, we are.
2: Absolutely. There's, 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 other, there's other things. Oh, so many things. Oh,
0: Channel V, all that stuff. Oh, my God. All right, all right. We'll, I, I promise you we're mm-hmm. going to do a, a Channel V uh, catch-up round two. We're going to talk about whatever. And uh, honestly, you're welcome anytime. It was so much fun. Thank you. I, honestly, man, fucking ruled. My
1: absolute pleasure.